It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, April 26, 2016. United Nations, the first UN General Assembly special session to address global drug policy in nearly 20 years, heard major differences on the approach to drug use. Canada's Health Minister, Jane Philpott, announced that the government will introduce legalization to, of marijuana next spring. Jamaica's Foreign Minister, Kamina Johnson-Smith, told delegates that the government amended the Dangerous Drugs Act last year to give tickets for possession of less than two ounces of cannabis instead of making it a felony offense and to legalize the sacramental use of marijuana by Rastafarians. It also established provisions for the medical, scientific, and therapeutic uses of the plant, she said. On the tough enforcement side, Indonesia's ambassador Rahmat Budiman said a, quote, zero-tolerance approach, end quote, is needed to suppress and eliminate the scourge of drugs. Like Indonesia, Iran opposes a death penalty on drug traffickers. Iran's Justice Minister Abdul Reza Rahmani Fasli told the high-level meeting that the Islamic Republic has spent billions of dollars in its campaign against armed drug traffickers. Denver, Colorado. Denver's 421 marijuana businesses now have a permanent lock on the industry. The Denver Post reports that the city council voted Monday to make permanent an ordinance grandfathering marijuana shops and grow sites that already exist. The vote meant that pot shops in Colorado's largest city must have been licensed before recreational pot was legalized in 2012. Denver's marijuana industry joined with parents' groups and neighborhood groups to push for a permanent extension of the grandfathering requirement, saying the city has enough pot shops and doesn't need more. The measure allows pending license applications to go through before the caps are set, meaning the city could see 45 more grow sites or shops. However, the bill requires reducing grow locations by 15 over time. Des Moines, Iowa. An Iowa medical marijuana bill that would have expanded Iowa's medical marijuana law failed Monday night in the Republican-controlled House amid criticisms that it didn't create a clear way for patients to access the drug. The chamber voted 31 to 63 to turn down a proposal that would have expanded the list of medical conditions that make people eligible for possession of cannabis oil. A 2014 law legalized cannabis oil for certain patients but left them nowhere to buy it. The House proposal would have expanded the list of medical conditions eligible to apply for a card that allows possession of the oil, which has little of the hallucinogenic chemical that makes a person high. The bill would have also created a task force to evaluate aspects of the bill. It would not have created an in-state manufacturing system. Montpelier, Vermont. Vermont House Speaker Shap Smith is expressing doubt about whether marijuana legalization will pass this year. Smith's Smith tells the Associated Press there are several ways the measure could die. The Senate in February passed a bill legalizing possession of up to an ounce by people 21 and older. The bill now is being reviewed by its third House committee. The first two, Judiciary and Ways and Means, disagree on whether pot should be legalized. Smith says he can't recall a previous time in his eight years as Speaker when a bill came to the House floor with two committees that had reviewed it directly opposed on its most important provision. If the House can pass a bill, differences would have to be worked out with the Senate. Concord, New Hampshire. 
Senate lawmakers on Thursday rejected an effort to remove criminal penalties for possessing small amounts of pot, leaving New Hampshire as the only New England state without some form of marijuana decriminalization. This isn't the first time decriminalization advocates have been disappointed. The House has passed decriminalization measures several times in recent years, only to see it routinely rejected by the upper chamber. The Senate's 14 to 10 vote didn't fall neatly along party lines. Republican Representative Adam Schroeder, the bill's prime sponsor, said the Senate's vote demonstrates a disconnect between lawmakers' views and what voters want. Polling consistently shows a majority of New Hampshire residents support legalizing marijuana, a step that goes even further than decriminalization. But opponents of decriminalization say changing state policy would send the wrong message as the state battles an opioid crisis. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, April 26, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Welcome back, everyone, to the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference here in Eugene, Oregon. And I'm joined at the desk by someone who's got the coolest name. Her name is Kat Belleville. <laughs> Hi, Kat. How are you doing? It's so nice to meet you, Russ. Oh, it's, my gosh. We are we are stereo Bellevilles. <laughs> We are. This is awesome. We were just uh, talking with each other because it's so rare that we find someone with our last name, even though yours is spelled the old French way, which is kind of cool. It's great that you stopped here because not only do we have the same last name, but we're also in the same industry. Yep. You're involved with... dispensing business solutions? Correct. Tell us all about that. So um, my husband and I actually have a lot of uh, business solutions that we can offer, but really just helping to, you know, crack any codes that need to be cracked for um, anybody in the marijuana industry, specifically dispensaries. Mm -hmm. We saw a huge, huge um, issue about three years ago with credit card processing and banking specifically. And we set it set out to just engineer and do whatever we could, put the puzzle pieces together, put the right people together. And and um, through networking and relationships, we actually have found some incredible, incredible people that we partnered with and have been in a pilot program for about two and a half years. Um, and we're finally able to um, actually go go public with it. So just in the wow. last couple of weeks, it's really exciting. So uh, this, of course, is uh, related a lot to all that, you know, IRS 280E and the financial uh, regulations that prevent these industries from being able to do standard banking practices. Correct. So what are some of the things that you offer uh, that help those people out to get around those things? That's a really good question. So one of the things that we did, we did a lot of just groundwork and creating relationships with with local banks, for example. We have a handful of those. Um, also just creating, you know, long-term banking solutions for maybe even offshore accounts, depending on what people are needing. Here in Oregon, it's interesting because it's all dependent on the county that the person lives in, and is there a local bank in the county that they can act, that can actually offer solutions? So we've created relationships with the banks in Oregon that actually do allow that, and then any of the counties that don't offer that, um, we have offshore options. Why, why is this a county by county thing? That's a really good question, and and it's it's, it's weird how it is, but it has to do with the, where the banks are actually able to operate. Okay. So if the banks that are actually offering solution are solutions are in a specific county. 
county and they aren't able to go across county lines for whatever reasons. Maybe their jurisdiction isn't, you know, big enough or whatever. But that it's basically um, based on what the bank is able to actually do in the counties that they actually serve. Is, is this based on Oregon state banking laws then? Yes. Okay, so the feds aren't, this isn't a fed issue. Correct, because okay. it's credit unions ultimately okay. that we're talking about, okay. which is also why any of the, um, you know, any of the counties that don't have a solution, you know, we might be doing something offshore or whatever, but which is a little bit more expensive, but at least it's a stopgap because anybody who's actually offering credit card, you know, processing in their dispensary is going to increase their revenue by up to 60%. Sure. That's an industry standard. So that's exciting. Yeah. Now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Oregon Governor Kate Brown recently signed a bill having to do with Oregon State Banking and the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about that? And if so, does it affect your plans any? Um, yeah, no, it's actually really exciting because what that means is that um, ultimately there's going to be, uh, it's going to be open for everybody here in a hot minute once everything is actually on board. Um, and it doesn't affect us in any way because what's really cool about what we're doing, we're the first to be able to actually go out and offer a solution to not just Oregon, but to quite frankly, any state that has a dispensary. Um, and so it's it's going to be awesome for us to actually have some competition because it's actually not going to really be any competition in our opinion, because we've already been doing it for sure. the last two and a half years. So, um, but we're excited to see what that's going to look like to, you know, get options to the people, but ultimately what we're here to do is to create relationships. We want long-standing business relationships, and ultimately where this came from was a desire to just help create security for the dispensaries. So. All right. So how did you find yourself in this industry? What, what brought you here? <laughs> oh, well, it, okay. That's funny because what, what has happened, originally my husband and I were in the alternative health industry. Okay. So we were stress reduction specialists for many, many years. His mother's a naturopath here in Eugene. Um, my father's a physician. So we have that healthcare background. Um, and so because of just the healthcare component, that was something that was incredibly interesting um, to us. We just have a huge love for the industry because of that. We've seen miracle after miracle after miracle on the medical side. Um, and so because of our business that we have, which is actually with business solutions with, you know, we do things like, you know, internet and home phones and cell phones and that kind of stuff. So offering services to businesses and individuals, um, we were already working with credit card processing. We already understood how the industry worked. And when we saw that there was a huge need in this industry, we saw an opportunity to kind of, hey, let's research this. What does this look like? Why is this such a big issue? We had a lot of questions. We saw a huge problem and all we wanted to do was help solve the problem. So, um, yeah, that's how we got into it, is just seeing a problem and seeing an, you know, an opportunity to really make a difference and being in contribution to this amazing cannabis community. Well, fantastic. Well, Kat, tell folks uh, any contact info they need to get in touch with your uh, organization, your business here, Dispensing Business Solutions. Yeah, absolutely. You can you know call me or you can even text me um, on my cell phone. And my number is 541-603-8725. Again, that's 541-603-8725. Or you can also email Email me at livingwelldynamics at gmail.com. That's livingwelldynamics at gmail.com. All right, Kat Belleville, thanks for joining us here on the Russ Belleville Show. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, <laughs> Russ. It's so nice to just meet family right yeah, here. No, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> We're going back to the uh, Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. <gasps> I'm the dope. We don't have any dope. And what did I just smoke? Hey, everybody. Happy 420 to our friends in the Mountain Time Zone. Studio audience, hey, say happy 420, y'all. Happy 420, y'all. There you go. I love that when they say y'all. <laughs> We're going to take a break and pass a joint. We'll be right back. 
With more from the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference, Leanna Gululi from the ArcView Group with some investment data coming up next. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back, everyone. Radical Russ here at the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference in Eugene, Oregon. And we have another guest joining us here at the desk from the ArcView Group. Introduce yourself to the audience. Hello, my name is Liana Giluli, and I work with the ArcView Group. Liana, very nice to have you here. And we know the ArcView Group as the uh, investment group in the cannabis industry. Uh, it's been around for how long now? A couple years? Five years. Five years. Or now. just uh, six years now, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, 2010, we were established by Steve D'Angelo and Troy Dayton. Wow, how, how fast time flies. Right. Do you have any numbers on how many companies or how much investment ArcView has been a part of? Absolutely, yeah. So, our latest numbers are right now we have hit $70 million have been deployed into the space by our, we have over 500 high net worth accredited investors in our network. Hmm. And uh, they funded 111 cannabis related companies. Wow. And the jobs coming from that, any idea? Um, you know, it's hard, It's harder to say on that yeah. front. Yeah, we don't have those uh, statistics super tight right now, but the whole industry is just absolutely explosive right now. And to give you an idea of the numbers, uh, of that $70 million, $42 million were invested in the year 2014. Oh, wow. Or, I'm sorry, 2015. So just, so just almost in the half past, of it has been... More than half in the past year. Wow. So, you know, it seems that any investors that were hesitant or just kind of waiting it out to see how things would play out got really excited in 2015, and we're seeing that trend continue into 2016. As we look forward to the future, uh, good and bad on the horizon. We've got good in at least five, maybe seven states that could pass legalization, either between initiatives and legislatively. Bad, we've got... Republicans. Yes, we, <laughs> we do. We've we got, got a Ted, case of the Republicans and, and, and Donald, Donald Trump, Trump and, and uh, the, the, Kasich, the uh, threat uh, of Chris Christie becoming our next AG. Surgeon General uh, or AG. Yeah. yeah. So, so, do those concerns uh, factor into uh, the plans of ArcView as far as moving forward with investment? Uh, you said that some of the investors seem to be that were reluctant before have jumped in. Could we go back to being reluctant if things yeah, right. go wrong? Right. Yeah. I mean. We, our entire movement is so politically dynamic right now, and it's hard to say what's going to happen in the next couple of years. But overall, overarchingly, cannabis full legalization in this country will happen in our lifetime. I mean, forget our lifetime. It'll happen in the next five to ten years, I believe. So it is... There is risks involved in getting in early, but at, at this point, the risks have become so minimal because the potential is just so massive. You know, the thing that people like to talk about is imagine getting involved on the, the beer and alcohol uh, industry right when that was moving out of prohibition. Right. So the opportunities are just enormous right now, and people are seeing that. And really, now's a really great time to get in, get established, get companies up and running, and create a solid foundation so that when the rest of the country does come on board, you're locked in and ready to go. 
I would say it's even better than alcohol industry at the beginning of Prohibition because prior to Prohibition, there was already an alcohol industry. Right. There were already brewers that just kind of went underground for a while right. and then came back up. Here, it's brand new. It's brand new. You get to start Budweiser. You get to start Budweiser. <laughs> and the other thing I like to say is that uh, that uh, Budweiser doesn't cure cancer. That's right. And, uh, and the, all the medical benefits of cannabis are just going to completely shift the entire pharma, pharmaceutical industry and really shift public perception on health and wellness, I think. Right. And, and, so, and cannabis, in addition to being a, a consumer good that has a medical utility, also comes with a lot of culture and a lot of history oh, and yeah. background. Oh, yeah. As this investment, as this green rush uh, takes uh, root, a lot of people on the advocacy side are a little worried that it's going to become all suits, it's going to become sure. all corporate, it's oh, going to be sure. the Walmart of weed. Is there anything about your investment strategies or the ways that you deal with investors that, that inculcates them into some understanding that this isn't just a product, there's some culture here? Absolutely. So I love that you brought up that question. It's such an important thing. And it's something that we hear, especially being the leading investor uh, firm in the space right now, it's something we hear concerns about all the time. And I just, I'm so completely blown away by the amount of heart and soul and good intentions that our investors are bringing to the table. I mean, it's the only business conference I've ever attended where everybody's hugging each other hello yeah, as yeah. a greeting. And that is really, really special. And the people, the people who are getting involved now, the, the early investors that are jumping on board now, they see they they are in it because they love the industry because they love the plant they believe in it they believe in freedom they believe uh, you know they're really for the social justice cause as well uh, we because it is not federally legal we're still you know the very act of investing into cannabis is an act of civil disobedience in a sense yeah. so we're still getting some super incredible very heart centered very intentional people in the space and that's that again why now is such a magical golden moment right now because that there's there is a lot of heart right now so yeah i mean you're we're of course going to get the suits in we're of course eventually going to get corporate interest in and it's really up to us to maintain the industry with each other with our extended community uh, and within ourselves as well i think a a large degree of that would be integrating a lot of the people who've been in the cannabis space throughout the years even on the illegal side and bringing them in with their background and culture and knowledge. 100%. But, yeah. but for a lot of those folks, the world of business and investment is scary and new and freaky. And what kind of advice could you give a budding entrepreneur, pardon the pun, yeah. a budding entrepreneur out there uh, who wants to get involved, who's been involved with marijuana for a long, long time, but once you start talking, you know, uh, Series A fundraising right, right, right. and numbers with commas and percents in them, it freaks them out. What can you give them for advice? I mean, there is an immense amount of opportunity right now. Get compliant, get legal, do everything that it takes, get yourself all the licensing, jump through the hoops, and do it right. So get a mentor. There's amazing law firms out there. There's We're partnered with a business accelerator called Canopy Boulder. Uh, that's another great option if you have this you know, business idea or if you've been underground and want to formalize your business. There's so many resources right now. And uh, my advice to everyone who's you know, hesitant to come above ground, just do it. Just do it. The rising tide raises all ships, and we want you. We want you on board, and we want you to have success with the rest of everybody else. And uh, it's just it, it's scary, and I, and I get it, but it's so, there's so much hope, and it's so important that we do this right. All right, let's do it right with the ArcView Group and uh, give folks uh, the contact information online sure. or anything they need. Yeah, I mean, you can find us at uh, the Arc, 
uh, arcviewgroup.com, A-R-C-V-I-E-W group.com. Um, yeah, and uh, info at arcviewgroup.com is the best way to email us. All right. Well, thanks. And for yeah, si- we'll be at a, we'll be in Portland next week. We have a big uh, investor forum oh, yes. coming up May first through third, and so we have these we call them Arc Tanks. They're Shark Tank style pitch events where we'll have about <laughs> twenty companies pitching to a room full of investors. So excellent. Well, uh, look forward to that. Check out arcviewgroup.com for more information on that. And thanks for sitting down and telling us a little bit about this. Absolutely. Appreciate Can I make it. one more plug for our, uh, our market report? Please do. So yeah, we produce the most offsited market analysis of the the state of the legal marijuana industry and we just released our fourth edition report it's our most robust report yet we partnered with new frontier on it and it is really really amazing and uh yeah those are available online as well arcfewmarketresearch.com all right it's all available for you thanks so much for joining us we appreciate it you appreciate it Now, great stuff there from the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Leanna Galuli from the ArcView Group. Check them out online if you're into the investment side of the Marijuana Green Rush. You want to get yourself some information. They've got some really good data for you. Now, coming up in our next segment, we have got our activist agenda. I had the opportunity to sit down with Sam Clowder, who's been working for decades in political activism Specifically, the Democratic Party, Brownie Mary Democrats. You've heard on our show uh, Lanny Swerdlow, uh, president of the Brownie Mary Democrats. And, of course, if you don't know who Brownie Mary is, you need to get on the uh, old Internet machine and get yourself educated. Pay some respect to those who came before you. Be right back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. The time has come to end prohibition of marijuana in Vermont. It's time. It's time. It's time for marijuana sales to take place in regulated businesses and stop taking place in our neighborhoods. It's time. It's time. It's time to create rules for testing and labeling marijuana so that consumers can know what they're getting. It's time. It's time. It's time to stop punishing adults for consuming a product that's less harmful than alcohol. And spend more time addressing serious crimes. Prohibition has failed. It's time for a more sensible approach. S-241 would end prohibition and regulate marijuana in Vermont. We are ready. We're ready. We're ready. Who ready? We're ready. Vermont is ready. Contact a representative now and ask them to support S-241. It's time to end prohibition and regulate marijuana in Vermont. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. 
With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Activism begins with ACT. The Russ Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference here at the Eugene Hilton. It's the lunch hour. People are engaged in networking, and one of the good friends of the industry and the movement has stopped by. Tell folks your name and your organization. Um, I'm Sam Clowder, and uh, I'm, I'm involved with a lot of different organizations. Um, the most recent one is Brownie Mary Democrats of California, which is a state-charted organization by the California Democratic Party, and we have been successfully promoting uh, the legalization of cannabis um, in that format for, for a few years now. Sam, what's the, uh, the, the take here on the democratic politics uh, happening in California? I know they just uh, announced uh, Lori Ajax being put in charge of the uh, new medical marijuana group. Uh, Governor Brown and, and I mean, Lieutenant Governor Newsom has had this report that's come out uh, for how cannabis should be legalized. Just give people that aren't familiar with the inside politics maybe a, a taste of what's going on and what Brownie Mary is doing in that respect. Well, Brownie Mary, Brownie, as Brownie Mary is Democrats is really limited to the Democratic Party. Right. And uh, what you're asking about is a much broader spectrum okay. of what's happening and what's going on. I have been working on this issue since 1971. I helped put Prop 19 on the ballot. The first I, one. Yes. Yes. And um, it's the only issue, political issue on my personal agenda that I've worked on for this long without achieving what I consider to be a final success, which is legalization in California. It's come and gone in many different forms. Uh, there's a great deal of controversy about the AUMA. Um, the fact is, if, it, if it's approved, especially with a 60% or larger majority, it's a, it's a statement to the legislature. But um, in all my time, I never trusted the legislature before, before Gavin Newsom came out with his recommendations. I like Gavin Newsom. He's been an inspiration. He's, 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 he's going to be our best most radical anti-drug war governor in the history of this nation really come yeah. two years from now when he's coronated governor <laughs> I, but his the, the recommendations that came out in that white paper just astonished me they totally turned my head around every single one of them is spot on and it gave me a feeling that we could get a better deal from the legislature than from an initiative uh, so uh, while I'm not, I'm, I'm not happy with some aspects of AUMA I believe that we've got, we're obligated to vote for it for any of them that qualify for the ballot. Any of them, all of them, um, because it's a statement, a much broader statement to, the, to those who would oppose it. Um, so, you know, right now we're looking at there's only one initiative in circulation that has a chance to make the ballot, and that's AUMA. Now, their, their signatures, their deadline actually is tomorrow. 
their self-imposed deadline to turn in signatures is tomorrow. And they really do have to do it next week before they start losing time and, and taking a chance of missing the November ballot for this year and then not being on another ballot until November two years later. But whether or not it passes, the fact is that it's been the activists and the growers who have moved this issue, you know. It's been the people who have been conscientious objectors to, to, to an unjust law from the very beginning, from the beatniks when they left San Francisco to grow it in Humboldt and Mendocino County in the 1950s. And, and that's where you can trace the modern, the right. modern cannabis revolution. Um, but uh, uh, it's, it's always been led by people who take it from a political angle to begin with. Because when you, when you consume and you realize what a joy consuming cannabis is, it changes your whole perspective, not just on life and drugs and cannabis and plants and herbs, but also on government, propaganda. Sure. Um, so uh, we have always been the movers. And the law, it's, it's up to the law to come catch up with us, okay? <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean, you know... Uh, Not the law catching illegal activity. I'm saying we have been leaders of this movement, and it's just they're dragging their ass, but they're headed our direction. As long as they're headed in the right direction, we just got to give them more gas. Now, uh, that means that regardless of what happens with AUMA, if AUMA gets elected, we're still going to do what we got to do to to what we feel is fair and just. And and I think that I think that the heart of the movement has proven itself a true patriotic element in this nation. It's it's objecting to a victimless crime. It's not a crime at all. It was always a law that never had a, had a victim. So it was always moral legislation. And in a free country, we shouldn't be legislating morality like that. Right. Um, and so it was really a commitment to the truth uh, on the behalf of those who used cannabis to continue to use it in the face of being arrested from the very, from the very beginning. And so, what are they going to do? They're going to have to change the law to conform with our behavior. They're going to have to change the law to conform with our economy. They're going to have to change the law to conform with the best ways of growing it. Economically, they're going to have to change the laws medically to conform with the the tremendous discoveries that are being made across the rest of the world about how to use CBD and their medical applications of CBD and THC. What I'm looking at in long range, I mean, like, oh, God, man, I'm 65 years old in August, all right? And I've been doing this since I was 21, (laughs) okay? So I'm looking long range, and what I see, uh, a much longer range contribution to the political consciousness of America is that the fact that so many people out there who haven't used it because it's illegal, once it's legal, they're going to use it, and it's going to turn their head around politically, yeah. They're going to start questioning authority. They're not going to put up with this kind of, you know, we, we need to turn people into thinking them for themselves instead of, instead of automatons by organized religion, organized government. And cannabis not only does that on an individual basis, but then when you look at the broad political and legal spectrum of the past 100 years, you realize, hey, this isn't the greatest country of all. It fucks its own people. And that, and that, in the long run, I think is going to be re- reverberate through the society with a much greater, power, more powerful in, uh, impact across the nation than even does the smoking of cannabis. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's heartening to, th- to think about, Sam. Uh, I, you made a point there as you were discussing getting a better deal out of the legislature than you might get out of an initiative. A lot of times, because there's a lot of uh, political horse trading that goes on for an initiative. Oh, we don't want to scare the soccer moms. We don't want to scare this demographic or that demographic. 
in Oregon, it seems like we passed our Measure 91 and the legislature did just that. They gave us some improvements. But some people would say they also took away some things. Uh, are there fears, you know, devil's advocate side that you worry about the legislature implementing in legalization? Yes, and, and everyone who's a watchdog needs to continue to be a watchdog because we want it all, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we don't, we, 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 we're willing to compromise and take what we get for now, but we're coming back for more until we get it all straight, okay? And after cannabis, it's just like uh, like this, uh, um, the doctor said, who, who was the keynote Dr. speaker. Dr. Hart, yes. Yeah, Dr. Hart. Uh, he's pointing out the fact that there's no difference in these other drugs and their impact. I mean, once you get around to looking at heroin legalization, you realize that um, the reason the reason the country waited so long to make it illegal in the 1920s and 30s, it had been used in the 1860s for Civil War veterans. Mm -hmm. And these Civil War veterans had been addicted and used it for all their lives. I mean, uh, um, uh, and there's a history of it. And they lived long, productive lives being heroin addicts to the ages of 70 and 80, which is why the, 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 the whole nation held back on making it illegal until the last Civil War addicts to heroin had died. Yeah. So it was a political football then, okay? And when we get around to looking at the way, you know, we got a few steps to go there. I mean, when, for me, the next great revolution in in fighting against the war on drugs is going to be produced by MAPS, Multidisciplinary right. Association for Psychedelic Studies, because they're on the verge of making uh, um, several different psychotropic substances, including feasibly LSD, available to psychiatric study again. And again, I mean, if you go back and you look at the history of LSD, you realize that it was the greatest cure of paranoid schizophrenia and, and, and manic depressants, depressives from the 1940s to the 1960s. I'd heard alcoholism, too. Yeah, alcoholism is it was it's successful in, in many different forms. But what I mean is that AUMA has some restrictions that a lot of people are, are controversially controversially angry about. Um, and and I, I don't that to me that's not a big issue because AUMA is set up so that the legislature can change and can change it with majorities. It's, it's so it, really it becomes more of a referendum. A, an opportunity for the, Cali the voters of California to make a definitive statement: Do they want to legalize it for adult use or not? Because again, everything in AUMA is open to change by the legislature. And so, yes, I thought I thought we could get a better job from the. I, I filed an initiative myself and withdrew it after after Newsom's uh, um, Newsom's white paper came out. I filed my initiative before his white paper came out because I didn't trust this deadline. We were being told, you know, I, I, I had so many deadlines were being moved around as to when Newsom's final final paper. It was supposed to come out uh, this year, not last year. Oh, okay. And so I filed an initiative, and they got it together, and they got it out. And so I withdrew my initiative because I felt we'd get a better opportunity through, through the, um, the legislature. Now, here's the thing. The reason is because growers are coming out of the hills and sitting in the gallery of the legislature and lobbying them directly, personally, wearing shirts that say, I am a grower. I mean, two busfuls are going from Humboldt County to, the, to, to, um, to Sacramento, to, to, uh, to the legislature, and doing that. They are being enfranchised. We are bringing an entire generation, maybe some, in, I know fa five generations of families in Humboldt County. And we are finally bringing them back into the body politic and giving them an opportunity to be heard, validating their opinions, getting them reinvolved in politics, where they've been alienated over this one issue and this one issue alone. 
and they have a great deal to offer. I mean, there's a lot of other problems, you know, education, crime, hunger, poverty, uh, medicine. There's so many different political uh, uh, items that we should share on an agenda if we share the cannabis interest, okay? And the wonder is that they get more, their voice is heard in the legislative process where it's not heard in the initiative process. All they can do is sign and vote, okay? But they don't have any participation that's what, in my opinion, is cool about AUMA is that it leaves a window open for the legislature to make changes. And we will continue to get more and more cannabis users to be responsive politically. I didn't say responsible. I said responsive politically on other issues. And, and I think we have a great future ahead of us in that respect. California's, you know, been the pioneer in this since 1996, passing uh, Prop 215, Compassionate Use Act. And it seems that the loudest complaints I hear about AUMA come from people that are very invested in that. Uh, and I don't necessarily mean financially, but emotionally or personally in medical marijuana. Uh, what do you say to medical marijuana patients or their supporters who are claiming that AUMA is going to destroy Prop 215? It's not. It's not going to destroy Prop 215. I say what I said before. Each, everybody's right. You know, you go around here and you hear all these different, you hear all these different opinions and philosophies. The fact is, everybody's right. All right. If you believe that cannabis should be legalized, then everyone is right. Some people are more right than others. Okay. But everybody's right, and that's where you got to start. You got to start with that 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 basis uh, uh, of understanding. Medical is going to be medical. It's going to be there just like it is here. It's going to be. It's going to meet different standards, and ultimately, it won't be taxed. Um, and ultimately, users, end users, can buy as much as they want. I believe ultimately the same rules will apply to recreational use, or I mean, adult use, not recreational use. But uh, it's not going to make any difference. The quality, high quality cannabis will be available, and mass produced cannabis will be available. I, I really don't understand what the what the uh, conflict is, with the exception of growing limits. Um, and and again, I mean, I have a card that allows me to grow uh, 99 plants and possess 11 pounds from Humboldt County, and that might change according to AUMA standards. But it depends on whether the law is interpreted as as to support local standards versus eliminate them. I don't know. We just have to see. We just have to see how it rolls out. But the fact is, it's it's better than every step in the direction is better than a step before. I agree. Sam Clowder with uh, Brownie Mary Democratic Club and so many other groups. Any other uh, contacts or websites or information that you'd like to give out to the audience? Well, um, I would uh, recommend uh, checking out. We have a movie that we're going to do a world premiere of in Eureka uh, on uh, June seven, I believe, and that's uh, being produced through Del Arte, T E L L A R T E, which is um, a uh, Master of Fine Arts acting program located in uh, Blue Lake, California, in Northern Humboldt County, and um, it's called Mary Jane the Musical, and we've been working on it for uh, they've been working on it since 2011, and I've been working on producing the movie for about a year and a half now, and and um, I, I would recommend. Uh, going to YouTube to see our three-minute trailer, um, you just uh, Google uh, Mary Jane the Musical Del Arte, D-E-L-L-A-R-T-E, and it comes up. And it's a lot of fun. I got Ed Asner in the show. Um, 
It's got 16, 16 brand new songs. They've got a CD that we're marketing separately. Mm. Uh, once, uh, once this is finished, it's in post-production. The director's in, um, in London finishing post-production right now. And uh, uh, once it's done, we expect to, to um, distribute it throughout California initially during the election period. It's a lot of fun. It shows many different aspects. It's about growers in Humboldt County and generations of growers and what they faced. But it's also it's a musical comedy tragedy. It's a it's a well-rounded show and a lot of fun. Uh, and I'd recommend that people go look at the trailer and then make contact from there. Yeah. All right. Well, Sam, thank you so much. Everyone check out uh, Mary Jane, the musical. And if you're interested in Democratic part- politics in California, the Brownie Mary Democratic Club. Brownie Mary Democrats of California. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Pleasure, pleasure talking to you. The interview with Sam Clowder there at the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Interesting gentleman. And he had the cutest little Dawson dog, little wiener dog on his lap during that whole interview. So it's always interesting in uh, Eugene, Oregon. When we come back, we've got uh, something from the United Nations General Assembly. Actually, this was at the 420 demonstration at Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza in New York. We met up with Brett Phelps from Students for Sensible Drug Policy. He of the most excellent beard. He's from New Mexico and uh, had a few things to say about uh, international drug policy that we'll bring to you right after this break. And then stay tuned. In hour two, I take on Kevin Sabet in virtuality. Got a recording of his thing from Ungas coming up in hour two. Stay tuned. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. All right, good day, tokers and tokets and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, April 26, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. And I am coming to you live and direct from somewhere outside the outskirts of Greenville, South Carolina. That's right, Greenville, G-R-E-E-N-V-L. Greenville, South Carolina. Glad to be here. My first time ever uh, streaming from the Palmetto State, and uh, really great to be here. Guests of my good friend Big Daddy Fink from 420radio.org. Make sure you check out his funk show every week live on 420radio.org. Big Daddy Fink's Funky Roller Rink. That's coming to you live on uh, Friday nights at uh, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 o'clock Pacific Time. Great stuff if you love the old 70s and 80s blues funk soul r&b disco thing and uh great friends great folks i'm uh, hanging out here with other activists who are driving their way down from north carolina making their way back to georgia so we are just hanging out here having ourselves a good time in greenville or outside of greenville we're not actually in Greenville. But uh, I've been everywhere this uh, past couple of weeks. I just got back from Eugene, Oregon at the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. We got some highlights from that conference just took place Sunday and uh, 
just as a little aside, I had the greatest time because uh, I was coming out of the lobby, making my way to the uh, party, the after party uh, Sunday night. And Alex Rogers, who hosts and uh, runs the event, said, would you like to share a cab? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. Let's share a cab. And uh, I, he was there with a, another couple that was standing there. And as we're getting in the cab, the fifth person to join us in the cab was Tommy Chong. Tommy Chong was highlighting the event and uh, got in the cab with me. So here I am taking a cab ride with Tommy Chong. That's all right. <laughs> and we get to the wow hall and uh, Alex and the other couple went inside first to make sure to set everything up for Tommy to make sure that, you know, there was a line and people could sign stuff and whatever. And so there I am just standing on the sidewalk in Eugene, Oregon with Tommy Chong. Just the two of us just hanging out. And uh, I snapped a quick selfie. I asked him, can I take a selfie? He's, he's a very nice man. Said, sure. Got my selfie and uh, escorted Tommy Chong into the wow hall. So just kind of chit-chatting with him along the way. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, we've got some interviews from that event coming up today on the show. We're going to talk with the very wonderfully named Cat Belleville from Dispensing Business Solutions. Uh, it's so rare that I ever meet anyone with my last name. So that was a real joy for me. Also, we spoke with Liana Galuli from the Arcview Group. She's going to give us some data in drug war data mining about the investment uh, numbers on the marijuana industry. And then in our activist agenda, we sat down for an extended interview with Sam Clowder. He's with the Brownie Mary Democrats, uh, the Democratic organization in the state of California. We talked about legalization and what's happening there in the Golden State. And we'll wind things up in the Radical Rant segment. I got to speak with Brett Phelps from Students for Sensible Drug Policy. He's out of New Mexico. Talk to him on the 420 event in New York City at 420 p.m. So I thought it was appropriate that we play that back on today's show. And then coming up in hour two, Toker Talk Radio, it's me versus the Joker. That's right. Batman versus Joker. Radical Russ versus Kevin Sabet. Coming up in hour two, I attended his presentation at the United Nations at their General Assembly special session on drugs and crime. And we didn't get to go head to head because, well, he's Kevin Sabet and has all the connections and I'm just little old radical Russ, but I'm going to play back what he had to say and then give you my take on it as if it were a debate. So the nice thing is, is he doesn't get to follow up. <laughs> All that's coming up on the Russ Belville show. Also cannabis radio news coming up next. Lots of headlines to get to. So stay tuned. This is the Russ Belville show on cannabisradio.com. <laughs> 